Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues our Illuminate series. It is important to understand that only the Spirit of God gives us life. It is not by our works or anything we can do. How is God working in you to bring you new life? Morning. Hope everybody's doing good. Oh man, excited to be here. Believe God's going to do some awesome things. If you're a first time guest here, I'm very excited that you're here today and uh, glad to have you with us and glad you chose to worship with us today. Pray that God will do an awesome work in your life. Um, As John mentioned in the video, we're going to continue our Illuminate series today and actually be in Exodus chapter 19. If you want to turn there, we'll get there eventually. Um, And we're going to be looking at some things uh, out of that scripture today. Very excited about it. Believe that... uh, we're going to see God do some life-transforming work in people's hearts today. And, and that never gets old. Um, love to see what Jesus is doing in the lives of people, bringing them to him and awakening them to life in Christ. Um, also today, I want to mention again that April 1st, um, it's going to be crazy, church on April Fool's Day. That's going to be nuts. But uh, um, anyway, we're going to have an awesome day that day. Bring, bring people to church. Listen. Palm Sunday, man, we got helicopters dropping Easter eggs. That's going to be awesome. And like we told him, like, if you crash, just make sure you crash in the woods, not near us. And so it's going to be really cool. Bring some people. Listen, you can get them to church on Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, when you can't get them to church any other day. And we promise that if you do that, we're going to preach the gospel and and we're going to be praying like crazy that the Holy Spirit brings people uh, to, to the realization of who Jesus is. And so looking forward for, to that and seeing what God does through that. Also today, um, wore my blue shirt, wanted to give a shout out to the connectors, everybody that serves in connection church. Yeah. Uh, wore my blue shirt in honor of them. And that's actually a half truth. I wore my blue shirt because I had nothing ironed this morning, but, but I did want to give a shout out to the connectors. Thank you guys for all you do. Um, the folks who park cars, greet, man, it's awesome. And, and we do that for the reason of this. Listen, we want, when you walk in the doors, we want people to have the best experience they possibly can. And, you know, we don't know what people have been through during the week. We don't know what they go through as they're, they're on the way to church. Some of the worst times of the week can be on the way to church, can't they? Fights with your wife, husband, kids, beat them half to death, and then go tell them Jesus loves them. You know what I'm saying? And, and so we just want to be here to help you have the best experience and to offer you the best opportunity for you to hear the Lord speak to your heart. And so I'm uh, glad you're here. And it's going to be awesome. Exodus chapter 19, we're going to continue this. What I want to do right now is pray for us, and we're going to jump in and, uh, and see what God has to say to us. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for every person that is, is here today. I know that this is not... Um, a mistake or an accident that they are here, but God, that you appointed them to this day, to this time, to hear what you would have to say to them, Lord. Pray that you would speak through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of your word. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody have a crazy week this week? Crazy week? Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy for us, too. Um, on Wednesday, my wife had a uh, conference in Augusta to do some continuing ed training. Uh, she called me at 7.45 with a panic in her voice. And I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? She said, I'm broken down on the side of Bobby Jones Expressway in Augusta, Georgia. And she's like, my car is on fire. I was like, on fire. She's like, it's smoking. It will not quit smoking. So she's standing on the side of Bobby Jones. I'm an hour and 20 minutes away 
maybe an hour. That would have been awesome, wouldn't it? Like try to get there an hour. But, but she's on the side of Bobby Jones and, and I'm, I'm literally helpless. I can't do anything to help her. So she calls her cousin's husband who sends a guy we've never met before to pick up my wife on the side of Bobby Jones Expressway, take her to her conference. He called a mechanic who came and got our car and took it to his shop. And, and so finally I get in touch with the mechanic Susan gets to her conference. I asked the mechanic, like, what's wrong? Do you have any idea? He said, we'll call you by lunch and let you know. I said, okay, sounds good. They didn't call by lunch. So finally I called after lunch. He said, we should know in the next two hours. No call. Finally, I go to pick Susan up in Augusta. Didn't want to leave her up there. So I went and got her, brought her to bring her back home. We went by to get some stuff out of her car. The guy looks at me, he says, I should know by tonight. Okay, call me. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll be calling you soon. Next morning, still haven't heard anything. So finally, I call him again. We should know by lunch. I'm like, you said that yesterday. How many of you know that when it takes longer than expected, it's usually not a good thing, right? They finally call me at like four o'clock the next day, and they say this, um, The water pump started leaking. It caused the water pump to lock up, which caused the the timing belt to shear, which caused the engine basically to burn up. And my first thought, literally, my first thought on the phone is this, what genius designed a car so that if the water pump tears up, the whole engine's destroyed? But then he says, we quoted a new engine for you, A remanufactured engine with a three-year warranty, 100,000-mile warranty, $8,800 in a $7,000 car. (laughs) After they shocked me and got my heart beating again, he said, or we have another option. I was like, thank God for other options. We can do a used engine with 75,000 miles and a 12... Um, 12 month warranty, one year deal, 12,000 miles for 4,400. I went out again. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like 4,400, holy cow. But like, I'm not paying that. So Susan's been walking. If you see her on the side of the road, just stop and pick. No, she's been driving my truck. I've been hitching rides. Um, but, but the whole thing was blown up. And, and the thing I realized is like her car is shot. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not even worth fixing. The engine is blown up. I was thinking about that this week and thinking about it in, in relationship to what I felt the Lord put on my heart to talk to you about. And, and, you know, the thing I realize about us as people is until we come to know Christ, we're a lot like that car. The very thing that makes our life go, the very thing that drives our life is broken. And that's our heart. The Bible says that the heart of men is evil. That's all of us. Like there's nobody in here that is an exception to that rule. That our heart is evil. And if you look back over your life, I guarantee you there are things that you can see that you have done that you would go, yep. Our hearts are evil. And the reality of it is that our, our, our lives are broken until our hearts are healed, until they're made well. 
One thing I would tell you real quick this morning is that I believe there are four types of people here. There are four types of people. One is that you've come into a relationship with Jesus and you're doing what the Bible calls walking in the spirit. It means you're abiding in Christ. You're walking with the Lord. And, and you know what? If you're in that place right now, two things. One, you're in the sweet spot right now, aren't you? You're like, life is awesome. Everything's falling down around you and you're like, you know, you're just like walking through life, spin and sing. You're just like, this is awesome. And, and you're in that sweet spot. And life is awesome. Why? Because you are connected to God, man. You're walking in that sweet spot. The other thing I would tell you about that, though, is don't become too cocky about it. Don't let pride creep in because you're going to end up eventually probably drifting into spot number two, which is where, is where probably a lot of you are today. Is that you have accepted Christ is your savior. And you started out at one point in your life where you, you were hitting on all cylinders, man. The engine was roaring. The spirit was moving. You're walking with God. The Lord's producing fruit in your life. And all of a sudden one day, it seems as though it's like you ran out of gas and your life, man, it just seemed like, like it just, it just disappeared. It's like, where did he go? Where is God? It's those people, listen, so many times we come to Christ and and God begins to move in our lives and we begin to experience Jesus, but then we begin to drift away from trusting in Christ and we begin to look unto ourselves and we begin to fall into this works-based religion that only leads to frustration. It's when we get away from being in love with Jesus and being in all that Jesus saved us from who we are and we begin to focus on the do's and the don'ts, right? Don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. And all of a sudden it's like, man, my life is dry. My, my, my spiritual life is dead. I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't know the last time I heard God speak to my heart. And it's because we took our eyes off of him. Listen, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That means this, that he is the one who begins it. He is the one that ends it. And he is everything in between. There is nothing else. But for many of us in here today, man, listen, it's as though we ran out of gas. And the reason we feel that way is because we took our eyes off of Christ. The third person in here today is like, if you were a car, you never made it out of the the manufacturing plant. This is the person like, you know, today, like I have no relationship with God, never had one. And if all this Jesus stuff is true, which I don't even know if it is like, I've never experienced that in my life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I appreciate being around people like that. It's like, they just know, like I'm a sinner. Like, I am. I just, nothing good about me. And they're just like, I am. And, and, and listen, life is broken. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And then the fourth type of person that's here today, and I believe this is probably the most common in the South, and I would also say that it's probably the most dangerous, is the person who is in the same condition as the one who never made it out of the plant, who's never been born again by the Spirit of God, given new life by God, but they've been in church for most of their life. And they clean themselves up pretty good. But on the inside, they are just as dead as number three. 
Basically what they did was they got a new paint job. But nothing ever changed on the inside. I believe our churches are full of people. And man, we've done a good job pretending. But my question to you today is, has there been a time in your life when your heart was literally changed when your life literally changed because you came into contact you met the God of the universe through Jesus Christ where are you at in that situation where are you I mean is it is it where you're in that place where man, I started out well and it's like Paul told the Galatians he's like guys you started out in the spirit the spirit was working in your lives and now are you trying to earn your salvation again are are you the person who like today you're just like man I'm void I know there's nothing in my life that's in the inside of me God has done nothing in my life and I know I need something I know that I'm broken or are you the fourth person that has been pretending all of your life or for most of your life you show up because listen man it is what you do to be a good person in the community you go to church to to be you know a good person to, to have good business deals you go to church so that everybody looks up at you are you in that place today are you a person or are you a person whose life has literally been changed by the power of the holy spirit and see this is what i think's happened a lot to us the church I believe we've taken our eyes off of what's really important. How many of you would agree today that texting and driving is a bad thing? All right, all right keep, your, no, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. How many of you text and drive? All right, that's what I thought. That's what I thought, about 80% of you, right? And I hate getting behind people that are texting and driving because you stop at green lights and go at red lights and that kind of thing. And so I usually tweet it, like, what, behind them, like, Idiot texting while driving. You know, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But the reality, why, why is it bad? Because you take your eyes off of what you're doing. You, take, you can't get to your destination without looking at where you're going. Period. And the same thing happens to us with God. The same thing happens to us with Christ is we take our eyes off of the one who's going to get us to where we desire to be, the one who's going to enable us to get to where we need to be, and we put it on other things, even on things that we would say are good things, even on religious things. And it derails us from the life and the life change that God wants to do in us. Listen, Jesus isn't out to make bad people good people. Jesus' desire is to make dead people alive people. That's what Jesus came for. That's what Jesus died for. That's why God raised him from the dead. Is because apart from him, apart from his life-giving spirit in us, we are dead. And I'll say this for every Christian in this room today, there has been some point in your walk where you began to focus on righteous works, works that trying to, to earn God's approval, and you've gotten away from trusting in Christ. Life is a whole lot sweeter when we're focused on him, the giver of life. I'll tell you this today, and, and, and I, this is the thing I want you to walk out of here with. Heart change equals life change. And life change 
is a lifelong process. It begins at salvation and it doesn't stop until you leave this earth. It's a lifelong process. But where we've gotten off base as a church and, 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 and as, as followers of Jesus and as preachers of the word of God is we have tried to point people to a moral works-based righteousness versus continually just pointing people back to Jesus. And that's the point. Somehow we think that, that, that we can't get to God. We finally come to this realization, I can't get to God on my own. But then at some point in our faith journey, we start to think that I can become like God on my own. Isn't that crazy? We can't do it. Only God can do it through us. This is what I want you to see today. So many times as the church, as people who live in the grace of of God and in the, the new covenant that God made with us through his son, Jesus, who gives us new life, who changes our heart and continues to mold and shape us to be in his image. The Bible says he takes us from glory to glory, meaning we're ever becoming more like his son. And and, and just simply by focusing on who God is and who he is um, in us and what he's doing in us, that, that that so many times as the church, we get our mind in all these different places. In fact, so many times we begin to live so much more like we're in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, this workspace righteousness where God gives them this law and he says, listen, obey this law, do everything I tell you to do. And they took that even and ran with it so much so that by the time Jesus comes on the scene, the Pharisees, the Jewish people, those religious leaders had developed over 600 laws and rules that you had to follow. If you were going to be righteous. And what I see in church so many times is that we move away from this faith and trust in Jesus, which gave us our salvation in the first place. And we begin to try to trust in what we can do rather than simply just being God's child. And allowing God to work in our hearts. And I want to show you some things out of Exodus chapter 19 um, today that I believe we fall into. I'm going to give you four traps real quick that, that I believe we fall into that pull us away from what God desires to do in our life. That pulls us away from the power of God's spirit working in our lives that allows us to become like Christ. To allows us to go from glory to glory. So four things today, beginning in Exodus chapter 19. We're going to read first verses 1 through 6. And I want to set it up for you. The Israelites, God delivered them out of Israel. It was that whole Red Sea parting thing where it's pretty amazing uh, feat that God did there. And he delivers his people out of Israel through Moses. Um, Moses leads them out. They come over uh, and cross and, and, and everything is, is going good. They're walking through the desert. You know, that whole thing happens. And, and they come up to this mountain called Mount Sinai. And we're about to pick up in the place where God gives them the law. He gives them his 10 commandments that we've all heard about that, that, that uh, end up becoming like 600 commandments. And so he gives them this law and then he gives them a few things that he wants them to do with this law. And so we're going to look at this and I want us to draw out these four traps that I believe we still fall into. And it's funny that we see this happen right as God is giving them the law. And and so I want you to to catch this. I'm going to share a couple of things with you real quick out of this and then we'll be done. Listen, Exodus chapter 19, verse one, it says in the third month after the Israelites left Egypt on the very, on that, that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. 
After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, that's Israel, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. The first thing I want you to see in the trap that I believe we fall into is that we believe in performance-based affection. We believe in performance-based affection. Think about the world we live in. When are you rewarded? When you perform, right? And we carry that thought all the way to our relationship with God. In fact, there are probably people in here, you'd say, well, I know God loves me. And you say, I don't, I don't believe it's based on anything that I do. It's based on what he's done. And we would even say that. But let me ask you a couple of questions to see if maybe you depend on performance with your relationship with God a little more than what you think. For instance, the first one is this. How about this? How many of you are here today, not because you want to be, but because if you don't show up, you feel guilty the rest of the afternoon? You don't raise your hand. But seriously, how many are here today because we came to worship the Lord because we, we want to be here or we showed up because if we don't come, we just feel guilty. How about this? When you prayed this week, was it spiritual or superstitious? What I mean by that is this. Did you pray to connect with God? Or did you pray in hopes that if I pray, maybe nothing bad will happen? In other words, is God the, the God that I connect, that I'm in love with, that I desire to be with? Or is he like this lucky rabbit's foot that I pull out when I'm worried that something bad might happen? When we read our Bibles this week, was it reading and getting into the word of God, the living word, so that we can encounter who God is, to grow closer to him, to know him more? Or was it to complete a task list that we had to do? And if we don't complete it, we simply feel bad about who we are. And somehow it affects how God feels about us. See, there are people in this room who your whole life you had people demanding things from you. And if you didn't perform, you didn't get loved. And I would tell you today, that is not our God. The Bible says that he brought them out of Egypt on the eagle's wings. Listen, if if it was about their performance, God would have left them there. They were a bunch of whiners. Moses was a murderer. You think his performance really qualified him to lead God's people? No, God chose them and he drew them to himself, not based off of their performance, but off of there, his affection for them, his people. This is the thing I would tell you. I want you to see. He said, before they became his possession, he said, obey fully everything I give you. 
obey fully. In other words, become perfect. Become perfect. You'll be my possession. Here's the awesome thing about this, guys. God's standards have never changed. But the awesome thing for us is that when we could not live out perfection, God lived it out for us. And he did it through Jesus so that you and I could know him. So that you and I could have perfection. So that we could come to a place of realizing, listen, that our affection, our relationship with God is not based on our performance. It's based on the performance of Christ and his righteousness. He chose us out of the world. He gave us the perfection of Jesus. It was his plan all along. In fact, the law existed to point us to the fact that we could not do it on our own. Only God. I was <clears throat> eating dinner with um, Jackson and Reed. Susan and Dake had gone to exercise, and Jackson, Reed, and I were eating. So I kind of like that trade-off. You go exercise, I'll eat. And we're sitting at a table. Um, I think this is also Wednesday night. And we're sitting there eating and, and read. Everything to read that's round is a ball. It doesn't matter if it's a tomato or a pea. And so he has some English peas on his plate. And he's like, you know, ball, ball, ball. And he's eating. So I'm like, well, he's occupied. Let's, let's, let's take some one-on-one time here with Jackson. And so I looked at Jackson. I said, Jackson, listen to me, buddy. Um, I want you to know I'm proud of you, man. I'm really proud of you. And Jackson's five. So you never know how that's going to be processed. And he looks at me, he goes, why? You're my son. That's what I told him. I said, Jackson, you're my son. I'm always proud of you. And he's like, okay. And he keeps eating, you know, I mean, it means nothing to him. And um, you're trying to have that one-on-one, like, father-son moment. And he's like, cool, okay, let me eat some more chicken. And he's sitting there, and he's like, Jackson, what do you think you could ever do to make me stop loving you? He looked at me, he goes, I don't know, Daddy, what? I said, I don't know, you tell me, what's so, what could you do so bad that I'd ever stop loving you? And it was so funny, man, it was awesome. He looks up at me, and all of a sudden, it's like a light went off. His whole facial expression changed. And Jackson's so awesome, because when he smiles, like his, he looks like his eyes go shut. I mean, it's like when he's, his whole face smiles, and he smiles at me, he's like, Nothing! I was like, exactly. I will never stop loving you, no matter what. And I thought, if we could get to that place, if we could understand that God will never stop loving us, And that when we focus on that love and we focus on that relationship and we simply lose ourselves in him, that is when our heart changes. When we put our faith, our trust, we love him, we we just abide in him, we cling to him, we don't let go and we desire more and more of him, his spirit begins to change our heart. When we come to worship him as a body, when we worship him in the everyday life, when we're in his word, not to check off our task list, 
but to encounter the living God when we're in prayer, not because it's some superstitious thing that we do, but because, man, I long to be with the Lord. God begins to change our heart when we're going through everyday life and things seem hectic and things are crazy, but we always know in the, that, that right there in the forefront of our mind that God is with me, that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And, and even though, man, I might have dropped the ball on this, God still loves me. And that is life-changing. I can tell you this. I lived a lot of my life trying to please people and trying to please God. And there were times when I decided I was going to live for God and, and times that I would, would, would do pretty good and, 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 and I'd be all right. But, you know, I never consistently found it within myself to live for God until I found out about how amazing his love is for me. It is life-changing love. That's why it's called amazing grace. It changes our heart. It changes our life. The Spirit of God indwells us. And we're forever set on a trajectory to becoming more like Him. Second thing I would tell you, I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 again. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The second one I would tell you is that we believe God's ultimate desire is behavior modification. We come to this place where we really believe that what God desires to do more than anything else is just change our behavior. And isn't that what we, we experience in church so many times, what we experience with Christians so many times is that it's like, it's just about what we do and don't do. And what we've got to come to a place of realizing is that, man, when we are in Christ, we are his treasured possession. The thing he wants is us. And the thing we get is him. What an awesome thing that God does for us. He, he takes our crappy life. And he gives us new life and the ability to live in him. And listen, the, the funny thing is, is so many times when we come to God and, and we begin to focus on the do's and the don'ts, we get away from just focusing on Christ. It becomes like we're sick. It's like we have the flu and we begin to treat the cough. Rather than what's really wrong. What we have to realize is that it's by the stripes of Christ we are healed. It's by the stripes of Jesus, the stripes he took on his back, that our hearts are made right, that we're made whole. Not by anything that we can do, but by what God has done. Since Susan's car has been broken, I've been driving my dad's old hunting truck. I mean, he's not here, so I can talk about this. Um, I've been driving his old hunting truck. It's been kind of fun because it's like this big truck and it's got this big brush guard on the front and it's not really that nice. Like the, the handles and stuff on the inside are falling off. And, you know, I mean, it's just old school, like four wheel drive, you know, like somebody pulls out in front of me and I chuckle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. You don't even hit the brakes. You're just like, if I hit them, I hit them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because it's just this huge honking truck. But the honestly, like for you to look at it, you'd be like, man, that truck, I don't want that truck. And, and what was funny is I kind of agree. Like when I'm in my truck, you know, I'll click it and make sure it locks and I'll click it twice so the horn blows. Because like, I want to make sure that thing's locked. I don't want somebody to take my truck. I get out of this truck. I leave the windows down. I leave the key in it. Like nobody taking that truck. Why? Because there's not a whole lot of value in that truck. But the other day I pull into a parking lot 
and I see a guy I know, and he waves at me on the way by. And then he looks, and he sees my truck. And I don't know, it's, it's almost like the heavens opened. And like the skies parted, and the angel starts. It was like literally he went. And like his eyes got big, and he literally he walked straight up to me, and he's like, when would you get that truck? I'm just driving it, you know, it's the only thing I got. That's what I got right now. And he's like, man, I like that truck. Why don't you sell it to me? Okay. Like, it ain't even my truck. I, sure. Like, look, he wanted to buy that truck. And it reminded me again of this, that, that the value of an object is it, it's based on what somebody's work, willing to pay for it, right? Based on what somebody is willing to pay for it. If we could get to a place where we realize that our value to God is more than we could ever possibly imagine, it would change our lives. And if we would meditate on that, if we would think on that, when all hell is breaking loose in our lives, if we would keep that at the forefront of our mind, it would change our lives. If we would ask God that the Holy Spirit would constantly quicken that to our hearts, that that would be the thing that we think about, that that would be the thing that we find the greatest joy in, it would literally change our lives. Is it not amazing to you that God would offer us his love and forgiveness completely free because of the value he sees in us? Listen, is that not crazy that God says you can't do anything to earn it? And you can't do anything after I give it to you to keep it. I'm just giving it. Is there something in your religious, because I know this does this in my mind. In your kind of religious mind, does that something not go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That can't be right. Free forgiveness and nothing demanded afterwards. But this is the thing God knows that if we could grab hold of, it would change the way we see God. He knows if he can get our heart, that once he is in our lives, once he has our heart, our lives will change. Period. It is the way it is when the Holy Spirit, the God of the universe, indwells our body, it changes our life. And when we focus on his love for us, when we focus on what he's done for us, when we remember that we are his treasured possession, it changes everything. My prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would constantly bring to remembrance what God has done for us, who God is, and the price he paid on the cross. I would tell you this, there's no greater price that could possibly be paid. And what that tells me is that you are incredibly valuable to God. Third thing, I would say out of Exodus 19, 7 through 13. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and you will always put their trust and that they will always put their trust in you. 
Then Moses said to the Lord what the people had said. Then Moses, I can't even read. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. The third one is this, that we believe performance and behavior modification can get us to God. Listen, we we believe that if we can just get people to stop doing this or start doing that, we can get them to God. The reality of it is that's not true. The reality of it is that that is simply not true true god told moses listen go and tell them to wash their clothes go and 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 tell them to consecrate themselves to set themselves apart but then the reality of it was that god still said but put limits on how far they come because they could not make themselves righteous enough to come within the presence of god They couldn't clean themselves up enough. See, here's the lie that we've bought into as Christians, that we get ourselves right and then we come to God, when the reality of it is that we come to God and then he gets us right. We can't clean ourselves. How can we ever think that there's a possibility that we could clean ourselves up enough to come to the Lord, to come into the presence of God? It is impossible. In fact, we were hopeless and helpless until the Lord came down the mountain. That's the one thing that separates Christianity from every other religion. In every other religion, it tells you to spend your life trying to climb the mountain, trying to get to the pinnacle of perfection so that you can have a relationship with God. And Christianity is the only one in which God says, I'm coming down the mountain and I'm going to get my people and I'm going to take them back to where I came from. The only one. And I can tell you this, we were helpless until God came to us. Absolutely helpless. No way for us to get to him. The one thing that I realize about Susan's car is this. If I called them tomorrow, it's still in Augusta. Like when it's broken, you aren't in a hurry to go get it. You know what I'm saying? If I called them tomorrow and I was like, listen, I know that the engine's torn up. And I know that it's not, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. But listen, this is what I want you to do. If y'all will wash it and wax it, I'm going to come get it. I'll, I'll, I'll drive it on back this afternoon. They'd think I was nuts, right? Why? Because it's still broken. You can't clean up the inside and make the outside work. And yet somehow we believe that if we just do enough good things, we can somehow get to God. And then finally when we come to the realization that I can't do enough good things to get to God, we finally trust in Jesus. But after we trust in Jesus, we don't trust in the Holy Spirit to continue to work out the righteousness that he's already given us. Listen, it is all Christ. It is all God working in us, changing our lives changing who we are, 
that we can live for him. And here's an argument that, that I believe people would have. Well, what about Moses? Moses got to go up the mountain. Moses saw God. But here's three things I would tell you about that. Number one, you're not Moses. Right? Well, Moses, stand up, raise your hand. He's not, he's not here. You're not Moses. Number two, not even Moses was able to stay in the presence of God all the time. He came down the mountain. And number three, when Moses in Exodus 33 said, God, just show me your glory. Let me see you. God told Moses, Moses, listen, I'm going to go in front of you. You can see my backside. But no man can look upon God and live. So not even Moses was able to go into the presence of God based on his own life, his own testimony. The only way we come to God is through the perfection that he gives us by faith in Christ because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. The only way, period. We can't clean ourselves up enough to get to God and we can't clean ourselves up after we come to Christ. It is God working in us from beginning to end. Last one. Exodus 19, 16 through 25, it says, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. It's like it amazingly intense and then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him wouldn't that be an awesome thing to be able to do like you just speak and then God's like yes I mean that'd be be awesome verse 20 the Lord descended to the top of the Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain so Moses went up and the Lord said to him go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourselves warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priest and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. The fourth one is that we believe being in God's presence will change our lives. We believe that being in the presence of God will change our lives. But the reality of it is that being in God's presence doesn't change our life. God's presence in us changes our life. That's why people can come and sit in church for 30 years and their life never changes. It's why we can can hang out and be around Christians all of our life and, and nothing ever changes listen God's presence is here now where we gather in his name he is here but until God's presence works in us until it is within us and changes our heart our lives never change 
And until we come to that place of allowing God to change our heart, and from that day on, the rest of our life is spent trusting in God to change us, to to make us who he created us to be, it doesn't work. God and God alone is the only one who has the ability to change our heart. God and God alone is the only one who has the ability to continually mold and shape us to be exactly who he created us to be. And when we set our eyes on anything other than the author and perfecter of our faith, it doesn't work. Life doesn't work. But when we're focused on Christ and we're focused on Jesus, We become more and more like him. And we find life because we're in touch with the life giver. God has the power to break the hardest of hearts. God has the power to shape and mold any life, every life. I was uh, at the hospital visiting a lady in our church this, this week and she uh, She's in there with kidney stones. Anybody ever had kidney stones? Was it fun? Like I've heard it's the most painful thing, like the closest thing to childbirth that a man will ever experience. And we're wimps, so you know it's bad when men have kidney stones. But she was in there, and so I went to see her, and the kidney stone was too big to be passed. And so when I went and I talked to her, she was like, yeah, it's like, well, are they doing surgery? What are, what are they going to do? And she said, you know, um, they're going to go in and they're going to break up this kidney stone. And, and I just want you to see like, like what these, that's gnarly. Like you want one of those things floating around inside? That thing is horrible looking. That's what it looks like. And, and, and so I was like, so they're going to go in and they're going to do certain, no, she's like, no, what they're going to do is they're going to put me in a tub of water and they're going to take sound waves and they're going to hit these stones with these sound waves and bust them up into little bitty pieces so that I can then pass them. I thought, that's insane, right? That they can put you in a tub of water, that they can literally send these sound waves into your body and that they can bust up these bigger, big rocks so that the little rocks can come out of you. It's like, holy God, that is awesome. They don't have to like cut you open and go in there and get it. And I thought about, you know what? If... Man can come up with a way to go inside somebody's body without going inside somebody's body and break up stones. How much more is the God who created us, created the universe and holds it all together, able to reach into our hearts and bust up a heart of stone and give us a new heart that lives and beats for him? That's what God does. He gives us a new heart. And his spirit works effectively in us to recreate us, to take us not only from death to life, but to take us from glory to glory as we become more and more like him. This is what I would tell you. If we live our lives focused on him, the one who changes our heart, the one who changes our lives, then we will continually be shaped and molded into the image of Christ. The other thing I would tell you is this. When we meet Christ, we change. If you have never met Jesus in a way that your life changed, I would have to wonder, have you met him? Have you met him? Do you know him? 
Or have you been trying to live by some rules-based religious system that only leads to frustration? I can tell you this. As you try to live in a rules-based religious system, the only thing you are going to live is frustrated. Because until your heart changes on the inside, you are going to live in conflict with yourself. You're going to be trying to manifest one thing on the outside, but on the inside, you're still broken. And what we need is for God to break our heart of stone and give us a new heart that will follow him, that loves him, that is focused on him. And then we just enjoy God. And that the awesome thing about our faith is that we come into a relationship in which we get to enjoy him. Nothing better than that. I heard something the other day, and, and, and we'll finish with this. I heard something the other day on um, another pastor, and, and I couldn't think of any better way to say it, so I'm just going to rip him off. But um, it was really awesome. He was talking about the giving of the law. And after the giving of the law, the Jews celebrated a feast. And, and, and every year that there was a reminder that God gave them the law. And the, the name of the feast was actually Pentecost. And, and, and so they would celebrate this feast Every year, year after year, they would celebrate the giving of the law. But what's interesting is if you go and you read on in Exodus 32, after chapter 20, God begins to give the Israelites all these different rules and and laws and different things that they're to follow. And, And you get to Exodus 32. And what's amazing is that even though these people had seen the thunder and they had seen the lightning and they'd seen all of this stuff that God was doing, they had literally seen God manifest in this on this mountaintop, right? Even though they had seen all of that, if you get to Exodus 32, Moses is on the mountain, has been up there for a little while. They get frustrated. They get tired of waiting. And so they look at Aaron, Moses' brother, and they say, Aaron, we need a God. And Aaron is like, okay, everybody put your earrings out here into this, your bracelets, put your gold out here in this, this blanket. And then he puts it in the fire and they mold a calf. And they take the calf out of the fire and they set it up and Aaron goes, here's your God. And they actually begin to worship this thing. See, that's crazy to me because I see cow, I think steak. They saw cow, they thought God. Like that is amazing that you've seen God and then all of a sudden this, you start to worship a cow. But it's proof that until God indwells us, we can never faithfully follow him rules will never keep us living for God but heart change will and so the people they would celebrate this feast of Pentecost but what's crazy is that on the day that that God gave them the law and during that time when he gave them the rules and all of this they literally began to rebel against the law and in Exodus 32 verses 1 through 4 what you'll find is this great rebellion and then if you go on down you find where Moses tells them, he calls the priest and he says, take your sword and go through the land and I want you to kill neighbor. Just run through, just killing people. And the Bible literally says, it's over in Exodus 32, 27 and 28. It says this, the Levites did as Moses commanded. And that day, about 3,000 of the people died. What's interesting is if you go to the book of Acts, 
chapter 2. And we still celebrate this time of Pentecost, don't we? Every year we have this time of Pentecost after Easter where we celebrate Pentecost. But why do we celebrate it? We celebrate it because that was the day that the Holy Spirit came to the people. You remember that whole thing there in, in, in Acts when the church had formed and the, the Holy Spirit comes and, and he literally forms the church and the whole flame on top of people's head and speaking in tongues and all that stuff. The day of Pentecost. But what's awesome about this day, what's awesome about what we celebrate, the giving of the Spirit of God is this in Acts 2 40 through 41 on that day it says with many other words Peter he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day isn't that pretty incredible that when the law was given and the rules were given no one could live by that they rebelled against before Moses could even get off the mountain with them that 3,000 people died but on the day of Pentecost when the spirit of God came 3,000 people came to life when I heard that the other day I was like oh my gosh just don't believe that's coincidence I just don't believe it's coincidence and I believe what the Lord is showing us and what the Lord is telling us is that it is only by the spirit that we can come to life it is only by the spirit that we can live for God it is only God's spirit working in us it is not about what we can do or can't do it is about trusting in God and keeping our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith and allowing him to do an incredible work in us that is the only thing that changes our heart that takes us from glory to glory prayer today is like, listen, guys, if you're in that place where you're, man, you're in the sweet spot right now with the Lord, awesome, celebrate it. Keep your eyes focused on him. If you're in that place where, man, you were on fire for God, but you walked, you know, it's just like you've got focused on the do's, the don'ts, the rules. My, my, my prayer is the day that you would lock your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of your faith, and allow him to renew your spirit. If you're in the place where, man, you've never had a relationship with Jesus, but you know that today, even through this, listen, that you know God's knocking on your heart and calling you to himself. Today, you can make that that, that, that decision that I'm going to follow Christ as he's drawn me to himself. Lastly, listen, if you've been playing a religious game where you know there's never been a heart change in you and God's never done anything within your heart, then what I would tell you, man, is come to the realization that that is the truth and that you need God. Don't play those games anymore. The reality is that God is alive. He is on the throne. He's placed great value in you. He paid a great price for you. And you can know him heart can be changed today and you can go from death to life by trusting in him let's pray